In 2019, 653,000 Californians decided to find a new home in a new state. Next year, I will be one of them. But numbers don't tell stories. People do. Numbers don't answer the questions, why are so many leaving? How did they choose their new state? What lifestyle were they after? How can I better adapt and make the most of my new location? My name is Jeff, and I am looking for answers to these questions. I'm looking for real people with real stories. Welcome to the Find a Better State podcast. Hi, today I'm talking with April Blankenship. She's the host of Moving from California to East Tennessee uh, group on Facebook. Hi, April. Good morning. Good morning. So um, first, I'll give you a chance to uh, introduce yourself. Tell me a little bit about yourself, and then we'll go ahead and go into the the talk about why moving and, and all of the other questions behind that. Sure. Um, I'm April Blankenship with Coldwell Banker Wallace here in East Tennessee. I'm uh, born and raised in California. We moved here about a year ago, um, just a year and three months ago. So we started a Facebook group and um, we're, we just love on people and love to talk to people about how we made that process. So here we are. Excellent. Well, thank you. Um, so let, let's go ahead and begin at the beginning. So we'll, we'll talk about why move. You know, it's a big deal to move from California to Tennessee. What, uh, what kind of led up to that? Were there some events or was it a series of things or, or how did you get to that point? Yeah, you know what? It's honestly, it started about 10 years ago. Um, the first time it kind of pinged my brain was when I was paying like $5.45 for gas in Cambria one day. Um, maybe that was about nine years ago, about nine years ago. And, um, I thought, I can't, how do we do this? Like, this is crazy. I can't pay $9 a gallon for gas. Like they're, they're, they're estimating it going up. I mean, there was talks online about, you know, we should be paying $10 for gas in the next two years. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, like, I'm not sure that I can do this. And so that kind of started it. But then as the years went on, we watched things go from one of the, the things I talk about is I watched a happy meal go from like. $3.99 to like $6.99 over like a two-year period. It's like we just watched things really quickly go very, very, very expensive. So then as that started, we also started watching the crime. And um, before I did this, before I was a real estate agent, I was agent, I was an Iowa one dispatcher for police, fire, and ambulance. Um, and I did that in Sanger, Kingsburg, and um Cathedral City, California. And so I've always been very involved with the police department. So, you know, when I, I, we would go to city council meetings or the police chief's advisory boards, and we would sit and listen to the crime rates go up and the ability for the police to protect us go down. That started to really stir it. And we thought, you know, we should see if other people in the world are living like this. Is it this expensive? Is the crime so bad? Is it so bad that you know, the police can't even protect me anymore. So where does the rest of the country stand on this? And so that's when we started to kind of explore that and see what those answers were. 
No, great points all. Uh, and interesting that you have the perspective on that as a, a 911 operator. I mean, you, you talk about, you know, seeing what's going on on the front lines. That that would definitely give you a, a good perspective on that. For sure. So let's talk a little bit about the search. Um, so you're thinking, hey, does the rest of the country live like this? Um, how, how did you arrive at Tennessee? Um, so this is honest truth, full disclosure. I literally Googled what is the most evangelical state in the country. If you Google that, it comes up Tennessee, at least at the time. I haven't done it recently. Um, I love Jesus, and I wanted to live in a state that loved Jesus and loved laws. California has become a state that hates God and hates laws. And um, so when I did that, it came up Tennessee. So then I started, I started trickling that down. So in Tennessee, where is the most economically sound? Where is the safer, safest cities? Where is the best school, um, the best schools? And so as I trickled those down, they all started to push towards East Tennessee. So you got me curious. I did just type that in, and uh, mm-hmm. it turns out Tennessee is still ranked number one at 52% of the population. So your your decision stands. See, I, you know, I love Jesus, and I wanted to be with people who love Jesus and not constantly fighting people who didn't. So, I mean, that was—I'm I'm good to—I'm glad to know that it's still where it is. Yeah, for those who are curious, number two is Alabama at 49%, and it just goes down from there. Excellent. No, that that's uh, an interesting approach. So, but uh, sounds like it worked out for you. So then that got you to East Tennessee. How did you narrow it down a little further? So we actually had two choices only because I have family in Texas and I love Texas. I mean, Texas is so fun and it's close enough to California. So we considered our research, which was over here in East Tennessee. And then we considered where family was in um, around Tyler, Texas. And um, we started studying the economics and crime rate. So um, I am a realtor. I cannot live in an area that doesn't have good economical growth. Um, Knoxville was one of the top cities during the recession that never went into the black. Um, We have lots of large businesses hidden here over in East Tennessee. It just cracks me up every time you start looking. You're like, whoa, whoa. You know, you, you, it's like we have the Oak Ridge National Laboratory. We have Denso. We have Alcoa, which is Arconic. You know, it's Alcon- Arconic, but aluminum. We have so much big business here just hidden in the trees. And so we started researching the economic growth and it was very good. It was conservative at the time. It was conservative and slow and purposeful growth. Um, and, and Texas at the time didn't have that. They also had a rising, um, crime rate. One of the big, um, broke the camel's back, you know, moments for us that we decided, okay, that's doing this. We're doing this. If I have to go work for Costco, I'm not staying here was, um, a friend of ours whose, um, daughter was involved in an attempted abduction at Costco in Fresno and with her mom standing right there, they tried to take her. And luckily the mom was able to fight her off. And I thought, oh my gosh, I am not going to have to worry constantly about my kid being abducted. And when we spoke to the head of the FBI in Fresno, um, he said, this is all we do is abductions in Fresno County. He said, we, there's so much that we can't even put it on the news because it would cause mass panic. And the number one victims are little boys. And I had a seven-year-old boy at the time. 
So I thought, you know what, I have really got to be careful about the crime. And the human trafficking was terrifying me. He said, these are open border states. California runs from obviously Mexico all the way to Canada with lots of water on the side, which makes it a prime, a prime, um, target for human trafficking. And so any of your border states are going to have these problems. And I, for me, I just, it was not a fight I could fight. I needed to be away from that fear. And Texas still has that fear for me. So knowing that it was economically, the growth here was better. And I had less of the human trafficking concerns. um, That really brought me to East Tennessee. Interesting thing about the the human trafficking. Yeah, I know that that's a a growing problem, uh, especially for all of the border states. Uh, You made a comment that I want to touch on real quick. You said there's a lot of big businesses hidden in the trees. So for those who haven't been to the East Tennessee area, a ton of trees, just green everywhere uh, from spring through early fall, uh, you know, before the leaves change. And there, because there's so many trees, uh, you, you can't see very far ahead of you. And so you'll appear to be going down the, the road in a forest and all of a sudden you round a corner and there's a giant shopping center. I mean, it, it sneaks up on yes. you just like that because <laughs> yes. you just can't see very far. It, it's so fun to me every time it happens, but uh, that was a great point. So that got you to East Tennessee. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the move itself. You know, I mean, obviously a long distance from California over to uh, the yes. far end of uh, Eastern Tennessee. Uh, how did the move go for you? Uh, we did it all wrong, uh, which is why we're dedicated to helping people do it a better way than with what we did it. Um, we didn't have anybody on this side. I had a great realtor. She's still my realtor um, here, but she wasn't involved in, in relocation and all of that. And so um, we actually moved the day they shut down California for COVID we left two days later because at the time they were talking about putting national guard at the borders and we couldn't get by and we no longer had a home in California, but we had one here. So we had no choice. So we, um, we did have movers, uh, start. We, they came, um, the Monday after California was shut down and loaded half, half of the truck and said, okay, well, that's all your, um, quote will handle. And so for us to take the rest, it's going to be $4,000. And I said, that's not going to happen. I, this, you quoted me for the entire thing. And it's, it's one of the biggest scams that we hear from our clients over and over again. Movers will come out, moving companies will come out, quote you a certain amount. They'll tell you this, how much it is the day you're moving. You're, they know they have you in a stronghold. First of all, it's hard to get a U-Haul going from California to anywhere because they're not, people aren't bringing them back. And number two, you're already stressed and have moving plans. So then they get there and they get you for more money. This happens over and over. So we said, no, we'll just figure out how to get the rest of our stuff. And we went ahead and let that truck go with half of our stuff. Went and got a U-Haul week that just happened to be dropped off that day. So I'm just going to go with that was a gift from Jesus. And I, you know, we loaded it up and we drove it across the country and we had to go back to get the last load ourselves and then drive back again. So we went back and forth three times. Oh, wow. It was not fun. Yeah. And that's a long drive. That's a tough it three times. It is a long drive. Yes. It was. It, I, we always laugh and tell people it tested our marriage, do the right thing the first time. So you love each other when you get to the other side. <laughs> because, you know, my husband, he says, if you need a snack or to go to the bathroom one more time, I'm, I'm leaving you in New Mexico. <laughs> so, you know, I, men are better travelers, I feel like, in general than, than at least I am. But, um, 
but it was very tough. And so we try to help people make a better decision for them. And that's not, there's not a cookie cutter box answer for everybody, but we have found that a lot of our clients who are in the middle of their life or later, they prefer the pods. They're more expensive, but they make life very easy. They, you know, you just load it up on your schedule, they pick it up on your schedule, and then they store it on this side. For people who are a little bit younger or might just be really very physically fit, the U-Pack trucks seem to be another favorite choice. They are they are less expensive, but you move your stuff, not somebody else. With the with the major moving lines, a lot of the times they will put your for instance mine, they put my stuff on their truck. It moved to four different trucks before it got to my house. I got about 10 boxes of broken things. I was never told that my stuff would move from the truck we packed it onto 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 multiple trucks. And so we have heard that story multiple times and don't recommend it. Yeah, I've definitely heard uh, and, and seen a lot on, on Facebook groups about people who are essentially held hostage when, like you say, the day of the move, you, you've, yep. you know, you're, you're so late in the game, you just feel like you're really cornered and, and they know that. Yes. So good, good for you for standing strong and uh, fighting that one. So let's talk a little bit about getting settled. So you, you finally got, after your third trip, uh, you finally got all your stuff over there. You know, new area, new so many new things to do. You, know, you had to find a new church. I mean, there, there's uh, a bunch of new things. Tell me a bit about that getting settled process in those first few months. So I always recommend, because, and, and we did do this right, and I'm grateful for that. I knew that when I got here, that the only thing that would make me feel comfortable was getting my house in order. So I took a solid like three weeks and I made our house our home. And I know that might sound silly to some people, but it was important to us to be able to tangibly hold our things and see our things and have something familiar in an unfamiliar environment. Um, After we did that, of course, we started reaching out to our churches. One of the things that we did that I thought was just really helped us as we started watching sermons online. We live in a technology era. You know, you can, even if you're not moving for a year, you can start, if you know you're moving to Loudoun or Maryville or wherever, Knoxville, you can start watching sermons from churches there and really get a feel for the the churches long before you ever get here. Um, and so when we got here, we only actually visited, I think three churches. Um, we ended up going with one of the ones that we had been watching and loved and were there a year later. We absolutely love it. And we made the right choice. Um, we did have a little bit of a learning curve for shopping and things like that. One of the things that you take for granted when you live in a place for years and years is if you need, um, a screwdriver, you just know where to go get it. If you need a, a dump, you just need to go, you know, where to, where it's at. If you need the grocery store, you just know where it's at. And when you move to a new area, you don't. So we live on GPS. Um, we live on those things and we had to kind of just figure out what grocery stores we like the best. And we were kind of determined to try the different ones, not just the one that was closest to me or that somebody else told me I wanted to make my own decisions. So we did go around to the other things and kind of made that more fun instead of a chore because I needed to figure out what was going to be my places, my grocery store, my car lot, my car wash. Do you see what I'm saying? And so I think that helped because then I just kept going back and then you learn those people and they recognize you and they say hello and they know what you like to eat and those kinds of things. And then it makes it feel like home a little bit quicker. Now, I forgot to ask you, did you go out there when you bought your house or did you wind up buying your house sight unseen? 
sight and seen um, through a Facebook video. However, I'm a realtor, so I don't judge anybody who can't do that. Um, but I, uh, I bought my house sight unseen and we have a whole process that we use to help other people do the same thing because not everybody can afford a big, long, expensive trip out here before they buy. Um, but we did, we, I saw it the day I drove up to it and I had already owned it. Nice. And, uh, I assume you made a, are you happy with that choice? How, how did, uh, what was the house, what you were hoping for when you pulled up? Uh, it was, I mean, I. It was in all fairness. And I tell people all this all the time. So if it's not for you, I understand, but I am a realtor. I see 30 houses a month. So I know what to look for. I knew, for example, the house that we moved into, all the walls were gold and burgundy and I wasn't going to, nope, nope. So I actually had it painted. I had a painter come in before we got here. So by the time I came here and I had had it cleaned, I had all the walls painted. So when I walked in, it was beautiful. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, I'm walking into a mess. I knew better to make sure that when I came in for the first time, it was not a mess or somebody else's, you know, move out dust or whatever, you know? And so, um, I think that helps that, you know, we were able to facilitate that. And our realtor did help us with that. She found me a painter and she helped me with a girl who cleaned and I make sure there was a lockbox here and we were able to have those things done. But no, I love it. Um, we are very happy with our choice and it was, it was an interesting process and we try to make that process easy for other people too. I was just thinking that I'm like, man, that's gotta be tough, you know, finding a painter and, and you're not even there, like you say, not even there right. to let them in, but yeah, it sounds like you guys had a system in place. That's awesome. Right. And we try to do that for our clients because, because you don't know, right? You don't know who the painter is. It's one of those things you take for granted. If you need something painted, you always just know who to call. But when you go somewhere new, you don't know those things. And so we try to have lots of resources for our clients for whatever that is. And sometimes I don't have one, you know, and I can reach out to other, you know, colleagues who do, and that's helpful. But we try to have as many resources as possible for our clients so that they don't run into those problems when they finally arrive here. Oh, that's awesome. Good to hear. Um, so were there any other things about the the get a, getting settled process? I love your advice on watching the churches online. That was such good advice. That that was one that I was thinking, man, I'm going to be doing that because I'll be moving next year. And you're right. That's research that we could do in advance. Sure. Right. Um, I think... I, so I, you know, I did research like a year and a half before we moved. And one of the things, um, before we chose a home, so it's part of the getting settled, but I did it before is I went to the schools. Anytime I looked at a house, I went to the school. I read the school handbook. I read the whole thing every time because I needed to know what they believed before I was going to put my kid there. So I wasn't going to buy, a, you know, a, a house in an area where I, was not okay with the school system. So that was a, that was an important thing for me to do. So when we came, I was very comfortable with that. You know, um, that was what, that was very, very helpful. I think that making sure that you don't isolate is a really big deal because I feel like a lot of clients, I mean, we helped 60 families last year. So, and I feel like a lot of people are so angry and so broken down and so tired that by the time they get here, they just want to like isolate and just, you know, just they're so tired. Right. But that's actually not a good idea because the families that isolate, then they like three or four or five weeks in, they're like, we don't know anybody. We feel so alone. And so then we, then we try to come back and circle back around and go, 
okay, so let's have a barbecue. Let's eat and talk and be friends. Let's, let's, let's find, help find you a church. Let's help, you know, get you involved with your kids PTA. Like you can't isolate. And then it kind of clicks and they go, oh yeah, we're like by ourselves. We don't know anybody. So I think part of the settling down can't be the isolation. You have to just branch out a little bit and start to meet other locals. Let them love you. I mean, people move to the South because it is the Bible Belt and people are kind and polite. So people will love you, but you have to be out in the community to allow them to. No, that makes a lot of sense. I can definitely see where it would be easy, you know, to fall into the habit of, oh, I don't know anybody, especially at first when you're getting unpacked. And so you've got a lot to do around the house. And yeah, like you say, turn around twice, a month's gone by and you may not know anybody. Right, right. So you said you've been there a little over a year. I think you said a year and three months. Yes. Um, Now that you've got a little bit more perspective on that, you know, you've been there a little longer, you're past the basics, like what's the grocery store I use, uh, you know, that kind of thing. What's your longer term perspective on on your both your move and the area in general? So um, I originally wanted to go to Oak Ridge and my realtor kept pushing me towards the Maribel Alcoa area. And I was so frustrated because I really liked Oak Ridge. She was right. I was wrong. Um, I love where I live. And I kept waiting. Like the first five or six months, I kept telling my husband, I, this can't be as great as it looks. There has to be some story. There has to be something bad about this, like monsters in the night that come out that nobody told me about. Something. Like there has to be something. What's the, the other catch? The other has <laughs> not dropped. I, I insanely love where I live. I am brokenhearted. For um, people who think that they have to live how they're living in California, you do not. There are several other places in the country that are not living that way. We do not walk around in fear. I do not. People, I I, I remember getting written up one time because I called somebody sweetheart. They said that that was demeaning. I said, thank you, sweetheart. I appreciate your help. And I was written up. We do not live like that here. It is not litigious minded. It is, we are not suppressed by our religion. We are not walking around in fear. We are not living like that. And it breaks my heart because I love it here so much. It is more than I thought it would be. It's, I thought I was just going to come here to survive the things that were driving me crazy about California, but we didn't just come here to survive. We have thrived and love it so much that we, we want that for other people who no longer feel comfortable in their, in their homes. No, that's that's great to hear. Um, I mean, like I say, I'll I'll be moving not too too far from you uh, over right. there in Loudon, and um, yeah, very promising. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. Yeah, it's better than I thought. As I tell everybody, it's better than you think it is. <laughs> 